Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm Lucas, and I'm depressed. But in all seriousness, I also have Chris and Jonathan, who are probably also depressed because we lost Game 7, and it wasn't even close, guys. It was horrendous, right? Uh, yeah, you know, pretty bad, honestly. Not not the best game this team has ever played. Uh, pretty bad. Yeah, I mean... We uh at least we are showing up to work tonight, which is they did not. So Ooh, ooh shots uh-huh. fired. Well, before we get into game seven, guys, we gotta start with game six, right? <laughs> yeah, so game six in Philly, we Sixers had a three two series lead. Chance to close it out at home. South Philly gonna be electric. Um and yeah, we lost game six, ninety-five, eighty-six. Nice fourth quarter run for the Celtics which ended up obviously forcing our hand to a Game 7. But, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Chris, we can go with you first for Game 6. Um, you remember when we, we traded Jason Tatum for Markel Fultz? Uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know you know what? I'm going to be nice. I'm um, not going to say that I told you that Jason Tatum was the better prospect yeah, at the time. Anyway, I did. Uh, um, I did. Yeah, you told me after the fact. No, you asked Josh. I, I, Josh Wilson will vouch for me on this. Josh was our boss at the time for people that are listening. Um, you know, the Sixers had a pretty darn good opportunity to win this series. They were up going into the fourth quarter. And for the last, like, four or five minutes, they just forgot how to play basketball. Jason Tatum uh, woke up from his slumber. And, you know, that's all she wrote. Like, <laughs> Philly blew, blew a very, very good opportunity to do something they haven't done since Allen Iverson was on the team. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like just the tail of this team at this point. They do the same thing every year. They get to the second round. They have what seems to be like a favorable lie as far as the schedule goes. They're in a good position, and then they blow it. I don't know. It's like tales all this time. It's happened pretty much every season since I've been covering this team now. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but yeah, game six, you know, Joel was, was fine offensively. Maxi was fine. James was pretty darn bad. Uh, and they, they blew it. They just, they didn't get it done. And then we all know what happened to game seven, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second here. Uh, so yeah. Pretty, pretty well, well, let me just say this. First off, last podcast, you guys remember me saying they had to win game six if they were going to win the series. Obviously, that played out. But, guys, they had a real shot to win this with, like, five, five, six or five minutes left in the fourth. Like, they were up or tied at, like, 82. And then Jason Tatum just remembered that he could shoot threes over smaller defenders like Tyrese Maxey and DeAnthony Melton. Um, I will say that... Look, Maxi came alive in this game. Joel was okay. But the real inflection point here at this game was just the fact that, first off, they switched their starting lineup, bringing Robert Williams back in, which essentially made things hard, made it very hard for the Sixers to attack the paint. And then on top of that is just, you know, Jason Tatum got hot, and he said, Humbly, he's one of the best players in the in the world, and he's not wrong. Yeah, not uh, wrong. Despite, yeah, he, not wrong. He a case for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he they uh, what was it? I think Tatum pretty much outscored the Sixers as a whole in the fourth quarter, and he was like one of thirteen before the fourth quarter. 
So the guy's pretty fantastic. I, he, he's, he's a superstar in his own right. I'm not trying to like jump on the Celtics bandwagon or anything here. I'm just calling it facts here. Um, the Sixers, uh, yeah, no, they, this was the game. Like, and I, I remember somebody saying that this game was, this game was the dagger. And then game seven was just twisting that dagger afterwards. But yeah, this this was the game the Sixers had to win, and they didn't. Yeah, just I mean, just brutal to to lose that one, especially with like just playing bad in that fourth quarter. Like that is the game you need. You're right, and it felt mm-hmm. different having a three-two series lead, being like this might be the year. But we have delayed it a little, so might as well get to the game today. One twelve eighty-eight. The Sixers were rolling down three at halftime. I think it was 55-52. And then yep. they t- made it 55-55 immediately in the third quarter, right when it started. And then it was eight. Then it was 76-58. It was like 24-3. Yeah. yeah, and I think it got worse. I think it actually got worse from 24-3 run. I mean, you see that, like, I went on the ESPN app. You see that, like, graph of, like, the scores, and the Sixers just have a flat line going across the x-axis and i was like this is insane like absolute blowout i mean from that point over in the third quarter quarter it was awful awful offense awful defense and lucas you can take it yeah look uh there was a couple of weird situations throughout the game joel got called on a goal 10 that i don't think happened um then there was the uh flagrant foul on james which I mean, I understand it was clearly unintentional, but it was a flagrant foul. And then Seriously? I think the re- you thought that was I, a flagrant foul. Look, it was a it was contact to the face, regardless if if it was intentional or not. Was the flailing of an arm? That was I, a natural I, I, basketball I reaction. If you if your elbow hits a guy in the face and he's bleeding, you're gonna get caught for something. Yeah, but you don't yeah. think that was a natural basketball reaction, like when you lose the ball? No, like your hands? Yeah, he 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 flailed a little bit there. I think, oh, wow. it, but it wasn't intentional. That, that sorry, I love James. It's James. Yeah, Bob, yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, because he couldn't get anything to go. Yeah, so I disagree. So anyway, but the other big inflection point was when George's Niang. I'm sorry, Niang has to go now. I'm sorry. He's done he's done too many boneheaded things in this series that makes me want to trust him moving forward. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. He grabs Jalen Brown coming off the bench after granted Jalen Brown did foul Harden on that play. Yeah. But like he, you can't grab on nothing than than the Harden thing. I I Eli, I didn't even know if he was actually I I, I don't. I think it was anyway, regardless. Yeah, that was it, that was, it, it, it was stupid, but like personally. yeah. Yeah, yeah so actually, it was it seemed pretty harmless at the end of the it, day. It, it was it was stupid. It was stupid, it was and stupid it definitely sure. changed and it changed the the feel of the game. Tell that me that the, it felt different after that. Yeah, and, it felt different after the Celtics got yeah. like eight points yeah. out of that. Like, yeah, technical flagrant and the, run. Yeah, James thing too. Like those those are two yeah. plays definitely swung the momentum out because we had the momentum yeah. at the beginning of the game. We were playing well. And then, but here, here's my biggest problem with this whole entire series, but especially this game. You saw it. We don't like Jalen McDaniels is our only big wing defender, and he could not play because of his poor offense. Guys, we don't have a great like PJ still undersized at six foot five. DeAnthony Melton six foot three. We and those were the two guys primarily guarding Jason Tatum, and Tatum went off on both of them, and Maxi uh. got hunted a lot. And that and that helped Tatum get hot, and I think that's that's where we lost it here. And the thing is, is that the superstars and Joel Embiid and James Harden, like Maxi did okay, not not great, but you know he did okay. Not not the best performance from Maxi, but at the same time, he only got twelve shots up, and Joel was horrendous. Uh, and maybe he's hurt. I mean, you're he still was supposed to be out for like probably a couple more weeks before he came back from that sprained MCL, but he was looking fine for most of the series, but this game, he stunk it up. James Harden, besides those two outburst games has stunk it up this series. Like James had two great games, but then the other games he stunk. Tobias was okay, but he was as dud in game six, too little, too late for Tobias. He was still one of seven from the three point line though. PJ, thank God for PJ. Yeah. PJ had the best game. 
No, I said I was going to say Tobias might have been the best player on the floor today on defense and not awful offense besides the three points, obvious. But you're right. PJ did, I mean, 11 points in the first quarter. And DeAnthony and Melton, our six man, uh, seven points on 10 shots. Like, look, we'll, we'll get into this in a minute, but I don't The role like, players all showed up. Melton had some great moments in the first half. This is entirely on Joel and James. Like, there's not even yeah. a point in talking yeah. about the other guys. Everyone yeah. else was good or fine. PJ had a great first half. Tobias was good. Probably his best game of the series. Tyrese was good. Melton was good. The rest of the bench didn't play because it was game seven. Joel was terrible. James was terrible. I think it's that simple. You're not going to beat Boston on the road in game seven if your two best players are wetting the bed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Joel, you know, we talk all season. He's like the MVP, best player in the world. You can't be having your lunch money stolen by 36-year-old Al Horford in game seven if you want to call yourself Agreed. the best player in the world. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Y'all don't want me to get into it, so I won't. But, like, all these debates about Joel stacking up against the other greats in the league still hasn't gotten past the conference finals. I saw today he's, like, the only MVP who has never been past the conference finals, semifinals in his career. I mean, some point, dude's got to show up. I know he was hurt. He's always hurt. That's, like, not entirely his fault. But movement-wise, he's been great all series. This game was an approach thing. He was just playing idiotic basketball. I saw the body language. Did you guys see him before the game? Because I did not not like the body language. All season, the thing that has made Joel an MVP candidate and leveled him up offensively is that they've gone away from the constant post-ups because he just, he's a turnover machine when he does that. Facing up at the elbow, those getting downhill, using his speed and space allows him to see the floor better. Why are we? Why is he posting up Al Horford every time down the floor? It doesn't work. It has never worked in his entire career. Al punks him every time he tries to post up Al. Why is he doing that in Game Seven of all games? What? What's he trying to prove? Why is he doing that? Like Joel just played stupid basketball today. It was bad effort-wise. The defense wasn't there as soon as the third quarter run got away from them. His body language went to crap. That's been an issue with Joel in the past. He was just playing stupid basketball. Like, if you're the MVP, you got to put up or shut up. And he didn't put up. Like, this was terrible. I, he deserves a ton of blame for this. It was bad basketball all around. Dude, I saw his body language in the pregame. I could tell that he was not there. He was not there for whatever reason. I saw it in the pregame. It was not there. It, it, I, no, no, he I felt. Get it. Again, maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's tired. He's probably going to have knee surgery in a week. We can't, like, gloss over that. I'm trying to keep some distance and be... But, like, at some point, we have to, like, criticize... Joel has never showed up in the playoffs against a team that's, like, higher than the sixth seed. At some point, that has to be an issue. <laughs> like, you have to show up against the good teams. The Celtics have owned him every time they've played Boston in the playoffs. That can't keep happening. If the Sixers want to win the East, they got to go through Boston. So... I don't know, man. It, it, Joel has a lot, a lot of like soul searching he's got to do. This was a pretty good example of all his flaws as a player, and he's still a great player, probably a top five player in the league. But like, dude, just got to be better in these moments. I, I know he was hurt. I, I don't want to gloss over that again, but like, this, this was really bad. No, I mean, Chris, the rants, the rants needed. It's just. It's tough to do this year after year. It's pretty much just exactly like what you just said. Yeah, I mean, look, five or six years, like you said, John, they've lost in the second round. The one That's crazy. Is That's Joel. crazy. They've, the roster has changed around him plenty. They've had James. They've had Jimmy. They've had Ben. Doc, Brett, you want to point to all these different issues. Joel is literally the one constant, and the same thing happens every year. At some point, we have to have, like, the Joel conversation. I mean, it, it is actually ridiculous that five out of six years you're stopped in the conference finals <laughs> okay okay but let's let's put this in i let me play devil's advocate for a minute i'm not disagreeing with what you're saying chris but this year was the toughest matchup in the second round that they've had if you look at like who they're like since to the toronto series okay like since that toronto series this is probably the toughest one like atlanta not a big thing Last season, who who did they play? Miami. We could have beaten Miami if Joel was healthy, but like this this team what here, what could have should have? It hasn't happened. Okay, but yet. but but, but, but my point, my three two series lead. 
I, I, I understand. And I'm not a, I'm not excusing that, but I'm just saying in perspective, this Boston team has been the toughest team they faced since that Toronto team. OK, so I'm I'm not saying that they I still believe they should have won. But this was a tall order from the beginning, and we all okay. knew that, especially Here's without home court. You want to, like, say you're the best player in the world and you want to win championships. You have to beat good teams. Boston was very good. You're right. They're a tough team to beat. If you can't beat them, then why are we sitting here talking about the Sixers like they're supposed to be contenders? Or like Joel is is one of the all-time greats if he can't beat the good teams. What are we doing? You have to beat those teams. That's just how it is. Like, I don't know. It happens every year. It's just, I don't know. I'm upset. I'll probably, in like a week, I'll probably have a more nuanced and balanced perspective on the issue, but not, Chris, this is I not mean, good. Yeah, it was not good. And I think that obviously we should transition and talk more about what this means for this team going forward. Because I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think you can have this team come, like this team as is come back. It's just, we should start with Doc Rivers. I don't think this series in particular or this game is any reason to fire him, but I think maybe his body of work might be. A um, couple quotes. James Harden said that his relationship with Doc was okay after the game. Joel said Doc has done a fantastic job and should be fine. But, Chris, what do you think about Doc? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast. I. Doc Rivers coached an objectively good series. Like I think he was straight up just better than Missoula for at least the first half of the series. He he made adjustments. Um, this game was again squarely on Joel and James. Like this was not a Doc Rivers choking away game seven thing. This was a James Harden and Joel Embiid choking away game seven thing. Um, as far as like the body of work, I agree that Doc Doc is quite flawed. As we've seen with a lot of good coaches getting fired lately. They're all flawed. Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, those guys have choked in the playoffs too. And Nick Nurse in Toronto, his entire team hated him pretty much by the end there. So every coach is flawed. Doc had a good year. Like this, Doc was not the issue with Philly this year or in this series, but I understand wanting to change something and maybe needing to change something. We'll talk about the, the future with James. But the Philly doesn't have a ton of cap space or trade capital. They're not going to be able to make huge roster moves if James does come back. If he doesn't, stuff like like maybe the only way to facilitate you know to facilitate real changes is to get rid of Doc and try someone else. So I I understand that. I wouldn't be opposed to like looking at Monty Williams or Nick Nurse or Mike Budenholzer, but uh, I I don't think this was like a Doc Rivers issue this series I, I think at some point we can't blame the coach we just got to blame the players uh this goes back to the fact that this has happened you know five six years in a row now between two different head coaches and i don't really think we can blame doc at some point joel has to want it and james have they have to want it enough and they have to show up and make it happen but, but. yeah look i don't think the postseason failure is on him like chris said he's made plenty of good adjustments in this series has used his challenges wisely He's been able to manipulate rotations. Like, the only thing that I will put on Doc Rivers is, like, maybe we should have gone back to Daniel House more after Game 5, and we didn't. Um, Like, that's a small thing in the grand scheme of things. But, like, overall, I don't blame Doc. Like, in the past series, like, that Hawks, yeah, that was on him. The Miami series, well, maybe not the Miami series, but the Hawks series, yeah, that was on Doc as much as it was on Ben. You know, they both kind of flustered in that one. But, like, Doc, this postseason, I, I have no complaints. Now, the question of should he be back or not, look, I, I we complain about Doc in the past, and I've even said as much as that I don't think Doc is a serious upgrade over Brett Brown, and I still hold to that because I think Brett Brown's a great coach. I Probably not for all the reasons that Chris listed. You're not going to be able to do too much unless you decide to move on from Maxi, and I don't see them doing that. So you're you're gonna have to shake things up otherwise. Um, obviously, getting an endorsement from Joel is good. Um, Harden, that was not the best endorsement, but like Joel, I think also said that you know he doesn't make the decisions regarding Doc, but he thought he was fine. And of course, he will say that he got an MVP season under Doc. Uh, don't blame Joel for saying that. Um, 
but yeah, no, I think you need to look at it. You know, Chris mentioned Monty, Mike Budenholzer, yeah, and, and Nick Nurse. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I mean, like, Nick Nurse is an awesome coach. We've all dunked on, like, if they fired Doc and hired Nick Nurse, I'd be fine. Maybe even happy with that. Like, Nurse would definitely be the biggest change as far as, like, you wouldn't want Mike. You would. You 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 wouldn't want Mike D'Antoni. You're not. You're finally off the Mike D'Antoni. Uh, that's fine too. But just as far <laughs> as the guys who are like going around the market right now. See, you know, I, I that's I think fair. That would be a totally justifiable move. I wouldn't be upset if they fired Doc. But I I think a lot of the Doc Rivers chatter that's going to happen over the next few days is just people trying to deflect to like deflect from the fact that Joel and James are the primary yeah. issues as far yeah. as Game Seven went at least. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah. they yeah, should have won this series. It's they were on Boston's level. This was a totally winnable series. Philly played at Boston's level. I I don't want to like lose sight of that and projecting towards the summer, like the changes again that Philly is able to make are pretty limited and a lot of them are not gonna end up with them being a better team. So Unless you is running it back the worst possible outcome? Maybe not, but like, I don't know. It's Chris. I don't think you can run this back, and I mean, I I don't think the fans touched on it a little bit, but I think that like you are going into it a little bit. But is there any potential replacements that you are more like high on if Doc does get fired? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, like Nick Nurse is the obvious proven championship coach. He's a guy who makes a ton of adjustments all the time. He, he'd be very different from Doc. Again, like he rubbed certain players in Toronto the wrong way the last couple of years. He plays his starters a lot, which might not be the best for, for a Joel James Harden team or a Joel team. <laughs> but I, I Nick Nurse would be interesting. Monty Williams is also obviously a very good culture guy. Mike Budenholzer is one of the best regular season coaches in the league. Can he do it in the playoffs at the same level? May he know he can, he can get stubborn too. He has some of that doc rivers syndrome, but he did win a championship with Milwaukee. So, you know, those are all very good coaches. There's been a lot of Sam Cassell talk. I, I like the idea of Sam Cassell. Again, none of us actually know what Sam Cassell is really about X's and O's wise. It's all like theoretical based on like his, player development work with Tyrese Maxey, but they have good in-house options. David Yeager has been a, a good coach in the NBA before. Dan Burke has been a top defensive assistant for two decades. Like, those those are reasonable in-house options. But, yeah, I, I don't think you can just fire the coach and not make any roster changes and expect a different result. Like, I, I, I think something, I don't know, it... I don't really know. It, it, well, really, it's like, yeah. yeah, this wasn't a Doc Rivers issue. I, I just don't even really want to talk about Doc Rivers being a problem right now because he wasn't. The, the issues this year, you know, like you said, Lucas, in years past, there have been much more prominent Doc Rivers issues. And we have all said that Doc Rivers should be fired at some point over the course of this podcast. But, yeah, I don't know. Right now it feels like deflection from the real issue. Yeah, so going on potential replacements, I also like in-house options like Sam Cassell, Dave Yeager. I'm not like Nick Nurse would be okay, and I'd be okay with that. But my number one choice would probably be Monty Williams. I like Monty. I've always liked Monty. I think that would be a good choice. So here's the thing, though. Like, how does he really differ from Doc? Great culture guy. What the same issues? He like he. The offense didn't adjust in the playoffs, and Phoenix has been blown out in elimination games two years in a row. It's the same issue with Doc teams. Like, is that really changing anything? Is that you run into the same roadblocks? At least Nurse, there's like a tangible difference in how they approach the game. And how but I don't, I don't, I don't think Nurse is the right coach for this team because they're not a young team. Like you have guys who have injury histories, and Nurse, like you said yourself, runs players into the ground. And I'm pretty sure, like, this past season, Toronto had one of the most, uh, you know, interchangeable, like, had the most, sure. you know, injuries this season. But Harden so, like, was also near the top of the league in minutes per game this year under Doc Rivers. Like, Sixers yeah. played their guys a yeah. ton of minutes. Like, Tobias, Tyrese, those guys are playing mid-30s per game most nights, too, in, at least in the important games. Like, you know, I, I don't really know if that's 
a huge issue. And again, this is just as far as game planning, at least Nurch, there's like some very obvious tactical differences in how they approach things. I, I think with Monty and Budenholzer, you risk running into the same walls, at least. I, with Nurse, I, I don't think anybody wants Budenholzer here, right? Nobody. Hmm? Nobody wants nobody wants Budenholzer, no, right? Budenholzer's no, a great I'm more. Coach. I'd be totally yeah, I'm, but I'm more in in like Luke's camp of like internal. You're right, Chris. We don't know X's and O's of Sam Cassell, but I like the idea of Sam Cassell. I do like Dave Yeager. Um, I like Monty Williams. I mean, he was like lead assistant with Brett Brown. Then yeah. we had to keep Brett Brown one year too late, and Monty Williams went to the Suns. I mean, otherwise he he probably would have got the job. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I like. Uh, yeah. I mean, and maybe there's another assistant that we don't, we're not really thinking of here. I mean, Mark Jackson could be an option. Uh, he he no, recently no, interviewed no, for no, the. Uh, come on, come on. Let's not it's, do it. Come on. He, why was, not? Because the Warriors immediately took off as soon as he left for a reason. Let's not even. Let's not even go there. I mean, but he set the foundation. Okay, well, anyway. The dude just left Jokic off his MVP ballot. He doesn't. Come on. He's not. The guy we need to run the franchise. He's not. And right. there, there it is. There. No, is like literally, he. If you were waiting for Chris to say yeah. Jokic. Oh, I was now. waiting for it. Yep. It, no, it took I'm longer not, than I thought. The dude doesn't pay attention to the league. Doesn't know what he's talking about after the time of the broadcast. Why would you want him as your head coach? Come on. All, all right. Well, Chris, let's let me. Move on. Uh, yeah, let's switch it up to potential roster changes. Obviously, the big one that we're thinking of. Is James Harden's potential future? He said all the right things after the game. Said he wants to compete moving forward. He also said it's only year one for us together about the Sixers team potential. I mean, if you are saying to compete, you're not going to go to the Houston Rockets, which is the other team that everyone's saying he's going to. But again, it could just be lip service. So, Lucas, what are your thoughts here on what Harden's future is uh, potentially in Philly? Look, I I think Harden's going to look for a payday, and he's not a. I don't. He's really, really good still. I'm not trying to deny that. But obviously, he only really showed out for two games out of a seven-game series. So that that's pretty horrendous in itself. Um, I, do, I wouldn't pay him the max. I think Harden's probably like a $25 million to like $20 million player moving forward, especially because yeah. he's, he's, he's getting older. Like I, I, But that being said, do I think that they should let him go to – Houston via trade or free uh, sign and trader, may even maybe just let him walk. I don't think they should let him walk because obviously you lose a salary cap space under the luxury tax that you gain with from that. But a sign and trade, I'd be open to it as long as it, it gets me a really good veteran in return. Uh, I look hard is great, but at the same time, I you need more from him in a, se- a second round series than just two really great games and the rest of them being horrendous. Well, that might have been enough if Joel had a really great game. But, like, I don't know. He's the only player who had a really great game at any point in this series. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, should the Sixers let him walk for nothing if they can avoid it? Probably not. Again, they have no avenues to replace his production on this team. He's yeah. still He was a top 15 player in the regular season. He's still very good. Um, he had two 40-point games in the in the playoffs. He, he's still quite good. But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's like if you pay him a four-year max contract, it's just no way it's going to age well. If you only sign him for one year, then we're doing this whole charade again next season. Like, I mean, I, I think that's probably the preferred option, to be that honest. That probably yeah. is the preferred option, but I don't know. It definitely feels like the odds of him leaving are pretty high. Like, again, you don't want to go to Houston or whatever to compete. If they like sign Chris Middleton and get a bunch of solid vets and they have some good, like that's a. I don't think Chris Middle. Team. I I, I don't like, think Chris Middleton's going to go to Houston. I might think even Dallas be a second round right. playoff team. Like mm. that's what the Sixers are right now. So if you like Houston more than Philadelphia, you don't like the role you're playing with Doc Rivers. You think your relationship with Doc Rivers is just okay, and Houston just hired a coach that you've worked with that you respect from your your Brooklyn days. I don't know. Maybe you go back to Houston. Like, are the Sixers even like contenders as they're built? They continue to not actually contend. So, I don't know what the odds of him are returning. I I think Philly should try to bring him back in some capacity. They that should be the goal this summer. They have no way to replace him. Whatever you can get in a Tobias trade. Is, well, wait, would you would up. you sign and would you sign and trade him to Portland for Dame? If Portland was open to doing that. 
Yeah, why why on earth would Portland do that? I I don't know. I that remember Stephen A. Smith Portland. mentioning it once, so that's why I brought well, it up. Well, yeah, well, yeah, look, that Portland is either going to rebuild or they're going to try to build around Dame. That, like, just downgrading. Well, okay, well, well let's let's flip it then. Playing team? Like, why why would you do that? Why, let's flip it then. Instead of James Harden, let's say they trade Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey for Dame. Would you do that if you're the Sixers? Yeah, sure. It's, it's Dame Lillard. Well, we are leaking into that next topic. So talking specifically about roster changes outside of James, I mean, James' decision is likely up to him, I'd say. Um, yeah. Like the team will have him back, or if he wants to go, he has the option. But, Chris, what needs do you think should be changed on this team, and, like, who do you think needs to go? Yeah, I mean, let's, like, be clear. James is either going to be in Houston or Philly next year. He's not going to go, like – He's not going to go to Phoenix. He's not going to go to the Lakers. That that stuff is really outside the box. Not going to happen. Like it's he's either going to go to Houston because he wants to be in Houston, and the Rockets can try to cobble together whatever kind of winning team they can around him, or he's going to come back to Philly. Where are like the odds on each way? I I don't know. Maybe it's fifty fifty. He just like stunk it up in Game Seven. The entire fan base probably hates him right now. Does he really want to come back and run this back with? coach he just is okay with quote unquote we'll see um yeah i, I mean look it's time to trade tobias like yes yes i agree Sorry, oh go ahead. don't even start you guys have been talking about how great tobias is. look look i'm i'm not uh, saying tobias that he's not Harris, good I, okay finish I your point and then i will i will i i will okay. let you go tobias okay. Decision making wise has been god awful this whole series. He played some, tr- made some truly boneheaded defensive mistakes down the stretch of this series. Offensively, he's been a no show for most of these games. Like, like Tobias has some very good attributes. He's a good person. He's just really not a good player relative to his contract value. If they can flip him for like two good role players, that's all you need. Like, time to move on from Tobias and mix things up that way. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to trade Tyrese unless it's obviously for an amazing player. Like Tyrese is, he's that dude. I I have a lot of confidence in Tyrese, maybe more than I have in like other guys around him. Like Tyrese seems built for the moment. So I don't want to touch Tyrese. They don't have a ton of trade capital. Otherwise they can't really trade any first round picks until 2029. So even then, like the idea of needing to rebuild or anything, it's kind of tough when you don't own any of your picks. So you try to get James back if you can. If you can't, you got to try to adjust on the fly. But it's it's time to trade Tobias. Look, I, I know that I've been a Tobias fan and rooting for him. And, you know, during the regular season and parts in the first round, he was pretty good. Uh, but, 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 you know, look, he's on the I think he has an expiring contract next year or. Yeah, he's in the last mm-hmm. year of his deal. He, that makes his deal valuable. You could trade him for supporting cast. You could try to pair him with what little draft assets you have, which is essentially nothing. So you you can't really flip him for a, a superstar unless they're super dis like unless they're a distressed asset, like you know not you know either medically or they um, or they're having problems you know off the court. Um, but uh, you know unless that happens, you can't really <laughs> flip. What? What's it's called Memphis? Um, no. I, I was thinking that too. I didn't want to say John Morant, but I was. Uh, <laughs> for those that there don't know, John Morant. There's another. There's allegedly because they they haven't confirmed that it's a legitimate video, but there's allegedly another video of him with a gun in in the video on social media. I haven't seen the video yet, but I that's what they're saying. And if John, gosh, that is just terrible. John John Morant, look. You you got lucky the first time around because honestly, if that was and Jonathan, you remember more. I mean, I know Chris probably remembers uh, David um, Stern, but like Jonathan, I'm not two years old. Like I was just telling you about how I was a Dirk fan. I'm not like (laughs) okay, brand new. Okay, okay? but 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 you were you don't remember the malice of the palace. You don't remember that was one of the the... at the palace. Obviously, I wasn't in the stadium, but like I know about palace and the palace. But that like, was one okay, of the craziest David, things ever. But my point, my point is, is that David Stern was a hard, you know what, and like if that was David Stern instead of Commissioner Silver, 
David Stern would have suspended him for the rest of the season and the playoffs. So Lucas, when I saw that today, I, I know uh-huh. it's like different, like totally different circumstances, but like I thought immediately like OJ Mayo. Like like this guy could get oh, yeah, like Yeah, that's uh, right. The drug the drug I, Yeah. That's the kind I, of suspension I, I was like, this guy could get that indefinite. That was an indefinite. I mean he's he's back he was allowed back in after two years, but nobody touched him afterwards. Anyway, yep. going back to going away from that rabbit hole. Going back to my Tobias point, so you're gonna, probably going to have to trade Tobias for role players for a team that's Which is fine, because Tobias is a role player. You yeah. Can role player for two role players. Sounds great. Probably probably two or three based off the contract. Perfect. Be more likely. Um, and, you know, that would be a team that's probably going to try to tank. I mean, Tobias, look, you could probably flip Tobias. I'm sure maybe Dallas would be interested. Um, get a guy like Tobias. I mean, that would be an upgrade, I think, for them. Comparatively, um, I'm trying to think of other teams. Maybe I don't know. Maybe the Clippers. I don't. I don't know. Um, Wizards. Maybe it, there. There. Are, there are options for Tobias, and I'm not going to try to get into that. But free agency wise, too. Look, we talked about it earlier in the season. Shake Milton's going to be a free agent. We're probably not going to be able to retain him. George's Niang is going to be a free agent. I don't want him back. I, maybe you bring him back, but I don't think it's necessary. Jalen McDaniels is a free agent. Paul Reed is a free agent. If I'm the Sixers, I would probably pick make Paul Reed my my number one important option, followed by Shake Milne and then Niang. I don't know. And, Shake was behind all those guys in the rotation. Like I agree. I think Shake's better than them, but like all those guys were playing ahead of Shake. That's just because of the guard depth. Like Shake's the okay, better player. But if yeah. That's how you're gonna build the team, then that's probably something you should consider. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And they do have Springer. You know, I know you're excited yeah, about Springer Island. Player. But he's not a point guard either. Shake can I, actually I, handle I'm telling you guys now, if Springer isn't getting minutes next year, I'm going to be pretty vocally upset. He, that's he fair. Like, that's fair. He should be getting minutes next year. But And then you have other guys like, uh, let's see, guys with player options. You have House. He's probably going to opt in. Um, D'Anthony Melton's not fully guaranteed that's surprising but i'm sure they'll bring him back uh team options otherwise yeah, they're gonna you, have to extend mountain here at some point like that's yeah, yeah coming up too milton uh maxi maxi's gonna be up for a rookie extension this summer by the way that's a big thing I, i'm sure they'll throw the max at him which i don't blame which is another reason why you probably need to trade uh tobias and Look, I'm I I know that he had really strong moments in the playoffs, but during, for most of the regular season and in points during the playoff, PJ Tucker, like that's a bad salary to have on the salary cap, especially with all the changes happening in the CBA. You you could definitely look to trade PJ. Yeah, See, yeah, but like no one's gonna give up assets for PJ. Is the issue? No, 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 no. You you the you'd be lucky to get a second round pick out of PJ, but like. You know, team that needs to take on salary, maybe you can do it. I don't know. But no, my... I'm I'm fine with like biting the bullet on PJ and having him as like the veteran leader. Like he's clearly valuable as a mm-hmm. leader and still as a defender in a lot of matchups. So like, it is what it is at this point. But like, Tobias is like the obvious. He's the only big chip they really have to move. And yeah, like you said, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a superstar out of him, but you can at least change the. Make it yeah, look, he, he, he makes. Way. Yeah, look, he's, We're he's talking about like, how are they going to make changes? They have no, like the yeah. way to make some level of changes is, is to trade Tobias. I mean, technically, they could let all their free agents walk, trade Tobias for like, and Tobias is going to make thirty nine million next year. That's easily two to four role players that you could get for Tobias's contract, which they have about four free agents, not counting. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Montrez is going to opt into his player option thing. Same thing with House. James probably won't, but like those are the two that I suspect will probably opt into their contracts. Dwayne Dedman has a partial, uh, a non-guaranteed contract for next year. He's probably going to be gone. So yeah, no, there's uh, there's options here, but I just I think. Tobias is going to be the bigger one. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they shopped around PJ, but they'll, like you said, they'll probably bite the bullet on that. I just don't see like Niang. I don't see those four, all of them coming back. I think you'll probably lose Milton and or 
probably Niang. I don't know about McDaniels and Reed. I would try to keep those two if I was the Sixers. More McDaniels was the three point shot more, but yeah, it's 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 it, it's a mess. Yeah, it is. It's a mess. That's the way to end it, Lucas. So let's at least talk about briefly the teams that are left. Let's go to the West first. We got the Lakers um, versus the Nuggets for the Western Conference Finals. Jonathan, uh, you 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 were the one that came out on top on this one. Kudos to you. I did. Clap, clap. Thank you. I will take that. Lakers. Um, I still think they're going to the finals. That was also my prediction. So mm-hmm. I might go double here. But Lucas, why don't you start first with the uh, Western Conference Finals? I. Gosh, this is tough. If LeBron was actually healthy. I'd pick the Lakers as well, but he's not. And their role players have been just good enough. But I'm, I'm going to give, I think, think the Nuggets role players have been more consistent. So I'm going to give it to the Nuggets. Yeah. I mean, y'all didn't want me to get into it. Uh, I'm just going to say, Chris, I just want to say it. one do thing, it. okay? I'm not even going to say that I was right, even though I was. Um, here's the thing. A lot of some of the more ridiculous arguments for Joel as MVP. I think Joel, again, deserving MVP. Don't need to relitigate it. But there's a lot of like, Jokic can't do it in the playoffs, which is why Joel is the real MVP. And then here we are. Jokic has made two conference finals, and Embiid has made zero. Jokic has had the best postseason of any player still going. And Embiid just got embarrassed in this, like, I don't know, man. That seems like a pretty stupid argument right now. So, yeah, I don't know. Denver's going to win this series in five or six, and they're going to win the championship. That's my take. All right, Chris, strong take. Uh, Lucas, how about the Eastern Conference Finals? We have the Heat will now face the Celtics. Ooh. Ooh, this is a tough one. Sorry. I, ooh. It's hard to say. No, like, seriously. It's not hard to say. They're the eight seed. I mean, look, they pushed them to game seven last year. I mean, granted, they don't have Tyler Hero, which really hurts. But at the same time, I'm going to say seven games, but I, I'm i going to give it to the Celtics because they've done it before. But it's going to go seven again. I have a feeling about this. They're the eight seed. Like, the Celtics have proven that they will mess around and lose games that they shouldn't lose this postseason. Uh both of Atlanta and Philly, honestly, but uh, I don't know. Heat are the eight seed. Like the Bucks imploded and Giannis got hurt, and that feels like its own thing that they have to figure out. The Knicks just are clearly not that good of a team. Like I don't think beating New York is particularly impressive or indicative of Miami being a contender. I don't think the Knicks are legit. So, um, yeah, I, Celtics are just miles better across the board here. They have theoretically the best player in the series jimmy's up there like it's not really a gap jimmy's had a better postseason overall but um yeah depth wise boston boston's got it across the board obviously like Spo is a great coach and missoula there's some questions to answer still about him but i wouldn't be surprised if this is like a five six game series that goes pretty convincingly in boston's favor I'd love to be wrong. You know, I still have love in my heart for Jimmy Butler. It'd be super cool if he got the eight-seeded heat to the finals and they and had him four the against finals. the Lakers. That'd be yeah. kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> I kind of got having home court advantage in the finals would be objectively hilarious. But I, I think the Celtics are going to win this series. I'm pretty convinced. Yeah, Chris, I got to get. I got to go with you. I think it's going to be the Celtics. But I do think Spo and Jimmy might get two. Maybe three, but probably two games or something. So, who the NBA would just love LA Boston, right? And uh, maybe it'll line up that way. It won't. <laughs> there it is. I mean, look, best play in the playoffs is in Denver. So, um, <laughs> just saying, it's true. Um, yeah, Lakers are a very good team. I the Lakers have a much better chance of beating Denver than I think Miami has of beating Boston. Um. That okay, yeah, I will I will agree there. Yeah. Yeah, I it's think, like a seven think, versus a one and an eight versus a two. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I think I, the seven has a much yeah. better chance. Well, I, I will say this about that seven. I think 
that series will be dictated by which big man plays the best. If Anthony Davis dominates, the Lakers have a real shot. Well, Jokic is going to play the best. Uh, okay. Davis well, Davis is very good, and he was an absolute like game breaker against Golden State. Um, Lakers have been on. I saw some of the day. They've been on like a fifty-seven win pace since the trade deadline. They've been really good since the trade deadline. They're a very very good team, but um, Denver's got a lot going for them right now. They continue to call Kevin Durant the one seed for a reason. I I I think this is. As unfortunately for everyone in Philly, like unironically, I think this is like Jokic's big playoff moment. And it's unfortunate that it aligns with Embiid doing what he did in game seven, but I think that's just where we are. So might as well embrace it and own it and be ready for it. Um, but we'll see. Well, It'll be a fun series, I think. Well, before we close out tonight, is there anything else, Sixers, thoughts that are on your head? I mean, we are sitting here immediately post game seven. No, <laughs> I I don't know, man. The, I I I don't know. I this is tough because logically they should try to bring James back and pretty much run it back. Like as far as the options that they have laid out before them, that's probably their best one. Like they just don't have the the trade capital to do anything better than James Harden, but. Like, do we really, like, I get, as a fan base, are we really confident in running it back? Like, do we really want to have the same group? I've been the biggest James Harden fan forever. I have a lot of love in my heart for James Harden. But as the Sixers have shown to me over the years, they can they can really poison the well for me. Like, I used to love Al Horford. I used to be, like, a genuine huge fan of Al Horford. Now I can't stand that guy. So what are you going to do with the jersey? It's actually hanging up behind me still. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You going to burn burn it or are you going to wear it if the Celtics? Yeah, you paid a lot of money for that probably. I don't know. I mean, he played better than Joel. Anyways, um, I don't know, man. I... Joel's obviously not going to demand a trade. Like, Joel wants to be in field. I think... There's been a Philly fans are going to be very mad in the moment, but I, I think as the summer progresses, people are going to remember just how much they like love Joel and everything that he's brought to this city since he's been to the like people are going to come back around on Joel as like a really important figure in Philadelphia sports. But yeah, it's tough to keep going out like this. Would really prefer for them to not do this every year and like maybe win a championship. That'd make me feel really good. Uh, That'd be nice. I don't know how they're going to do it. This should be an interesting summer, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, Chris, do you want to make your announcement now? Yeah, not not the the best way to uh, not the best circumstances in which to make this announcement. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was really hoping I'd be able to make this under better circumstances. But at least I get to go out on like. Like, you know, I've always been the cynical half of this podcast. At least I get Mm -hmm. to go out in my, in like, in my, (laughs) so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to be moving on from the Sixers since, uh, starting tomorrow on Monday. I'm going to be taking on a new role with, with fansided.com covering NBA, MLB, NFL, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so this is going to be my last podcast as, as co-host. I'll still be on as a guest, hopefully, if y'all will have me at various points. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm handing over the reins to, to John and Lucas for now. Uh, so thanks to you guys, Lucas and Jonathan, of course, for all that you've done over the years. Um, and thanks, of course, to the listeners for, for giving me the time of week to, to talk Sixers. I'm going to miss it. And, again, I'll be back, hopefully, as a guest. You know, it's not my last time ever on the pod. Ideally. Yeah, but well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let me just say this, Chris. I, I, we started working at the Sixer Sense when in 2016, you were still in high school. I was fresh out of college, and I have seen you grow into a young man. And I'm very proud to have worked with you for the last six years. No, yeah, no, seven years, seven years, yeah, yeah seven years, yeah. And um, 
good luck to future endeavors. We'll definitely keep in touch. And you are one of the more knowledgeable basketball guys I know. So I very much appreciate you being around as long as you have, buddy. Good luck. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Chris, it didn't work with you as long as Lucas did, but you have been extremely helpful with me and all my writing and getting comfortable with the podcast and stuff. And honestly, really appreciate it. And like Lucas said, talk basketball with the best of them. So it's always fun coming on here. It, uh, it's always a good time. So good luck going forward. Yeah. Thanks, y'all. I, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys, like I said. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be weird not doing this every, you know, t- twice a week. But, uh, yeah, I'll be around. We'll still be talking Sixers and stuff, of course, off off the air. Uh, but, yeah. I guess for for the last time for me at least, uh, I'll, I'll close it out. Thanks everyone for tuning into the Sixer Sense podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Audible, or you can listen at our website, thesixersense.com, where you can also read our written work. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Sixer Sense. I personally think I got off some great tweets during this game. Uh, I was really tweeting through it in a way I haven't in a while. So go check out at Sixersense on Twitter if you'd like. Um, and until until next time, peace out, everyone, and go Sixers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.